All right. How you doing, Brent? I'm good. Great. It's the good. first episode of the Stupid News Podcast. <laughs> it's great to finally be doing this. I know we've talked about doing it for quite a while. We've been doing these trades for 15 plus years, and we never really thought about it as stupid news, but that's kind of what a lot of what we do it ends up being. So I think it's good to focus on this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely, it's the one place where we have a distinct advantage over everybody else. And I think it's, I think it's something that anybody who is willing to take a look at why things move um, can also do these trades. It's not, it's not some deep inside knowledge of like specific companies or, or stocks or markets. It's more of a inside understanding of like how news moves the markets. People get so sucked into macro and reading all, and I'm, I've been guilty of this too. You want to improve yourself and you want to read the journal cover to cover. You want to read the economist. You want to read books, study fundamentals. But a lot of times that stuff turns into these artistic bag holding trades where you don't really know when you're right or wrong and you have a lot of dead money in your books. But when you're using these, this stupid news, you have a thesis for something and then you use silly news to enter. And we're going to go through a few of those today. We've had a lot of them lately and we'll continue to do them. But when you have that, that news as a catalyst, it, the trade tends to work out and go your way a lot quicker. And you know when you're wrong a lot sooner. So you can kind of put a lot of that other stuff away, which is, makes your trading much more, I'm, calmer when I do things this way. And I feel like uh, I'm more under control. I know what I'm looking for. Absolutely. And I mean, I'll tell you, just to give everybody a brief uh, rundown of how we got here, how I got here specifically, is I had been looking over my trades and, you know, as the futures markets have been kind of, I hate saying the term taken over by the robots, but for lack of a better term, that's what's kind of happened. And it's more just like crushed the volatility. So the market doesn't have a lot of big moves anymore, like where it's extremely volatile. And so that's where, that's where a trader makes most of his money. And an investor makes most of his money by holding stuff long-term. Now I've tried the long-term investor where I'm reading 10 K 10 Q's, 10 K's or eight K's, whatever you want to call them and trying to decipher balance sheets. And it's really gotten me nowhere. And I've spent a lot of time doing it and I've become very frustrated with it. But in the meantime, I was also doing other trades that took advantage of trading this you know, so-called stupid news. And I found that that's, that's what I'm good at. And so that's what I'm going to try to stick to. And I think, you know, you and I are going to try and help people understand what it is that exactly we're looking at and what we're doing. Yeah. And the background to that is you've been doing this for 20 years and have made money, I think, almost every year. Uh, maybe I don't even know if you've had a losing year and and you've been doing something like this. So it, you've tried the other things, but this is the one constant kind of the bread and butter. Yeah, whenever I've gotten away from it, I've had, you know, very subpar years. And so I think it's just focusing, doing what you're good at. And this right. happens to be what I think that I'm, you know, good enough at. Yep. And we both share that and we're both doing these trades now more than any other trade. It's becoming, it's almost becoming to, it's getting to the point where we only want to do these trades, even though there's other trades that we often do do. Um, this is kind of the, the bulk of it. So let's get into the first one, Amazon. Yeah. So last night you texted me uh, that you read, uh, I think it was the Wall Street Journal headline or something that uh, Warren Buffett has decided he wants to take a share or take a stake in Amazon, the largest or second largest 
company yeah, in the world? Microsoft's the largest yeah. now. It's something like that. Yeah. Trillion dollar brothers up at the top, like Microsoft, I think Apple and uh, Amazon. So, so for everybody out there, the, the basics of this trade is that we want to sell Amazon. Now let's talk a little bit about what that exactly means. So why don't you go ahead and take this part, Brad? Yeah. So this is a, within the stupid news world of trades we do, this is kind of a lunch money trade in terms of a single and double type thing, looking for a quick trade to the downside. And we saw that we went up 50 or 60 points when the market was already extended. Amazon's already had earnings recently, which we'd like because it takes some of that event risk, which we don't want to gamble into earnings because we have no idea. Every analyst in the world is studying earnings. We're not going to get any edge on earnings. But after earnings is done, we push up into the top of a lot of technical areas. You could look at the upper bounds of a trend channel. You could look at a Bollinger Band. You could look at the RSI divergence. And you see Amazon's pressed up there. And as that's happening, you get this extra boost on this uh, Warren Berkshire Hathaway stake. So our... Our, our thesis is that Amazon's going to bleed back into that gap and fill a lot of that gap. So our trade is could last a day and it could last two weeks. It shouldn't probably go longer than that. You don't know exactly right. how these are going to play out, but that's kind of the setup for the trade. Yeah. So now normally on these types of trades, I think that, you know, I think you'd agree with me that I like to wait more than a day to get into the trade. I usually like to wait till the second day. Sometimes maybe even the third day, but I usually can't help myself and I have to get in on that second day. But this one seems so extended so quickly and seems so ripe to do it. I, I put on a small position today, even though this is day one. And I believe you did the same thing. Yep. So going forward, we'll probably look at Monday and see. I'm expecting it to probably move up a little bit in the morning on Monday. And I will put on the rest of my position. Um and right now, Amazon's trading at 1962. So I would say that I'm probably looking at maybe I'm getting in more. It's 1970 area right. on Monday, or maybe it's right in here. I don't know, but that's that's when I'm uh, for as far as an entry price. And hopefully, I think in the next week or 10 days, like you said, it should get back down into the 1925 area. Right. And uh, we've learned through trial and error that the day two rule is a really good rule because a lot of times these things run two days in a row on the stupid news until they come off. Sometimes they go three days. But so on something like this, where we decided to do it on the first day, um, we did some call. We sold some calls instead of sold the stock because we want to give ourselves a little more room. And when you can't help yourself, sometimes it's nice to maybe put on a third of your position and then do the rest of it. And if it works out right away and you only get a third on, well, so be it. It's still a good trade. But. Um, I kind of felt like I wanted to put a little on today. So I'm, I'm okay with that. And in terms of the risk on this trade, it's a trade like this almost has equal risk to reward. You're almost risking the same as you're, as you're going to make. And that might not sound good, but the probability of these trades working is very high. So sometimes you're okay with that one-to-one -one risk reward. We'll have other situations where the trend is up, the stupid news puts us down, and we're looking for a lot bigger move and it'll be five to one or three to one. But this one is, is not that way, but it doesn't discourage me from doing it because I, I believe in the, the probability of it being high. Right, exactly what you said. That it's the probability of the trade working, which makes it a doable trade, you know, despite the risk reward being equal. You know, and sometimes there will be other opportunities where the risk maybe even outweighs the reward a little bit, but the probabilities are so high that it will work that you do the trade. Right.
So I like the call options versus selling the calls uh, for next Friday. I think we did the two or uh, um, what's the I did price? The 19, I did the 1950s. Yeah, me too. For I did them for like 26 bucks. Yeah. So insane. that gives you that extra premium you're collecting gives you a little room on being able to withstand a couple of days of sideways action or uh, maybe going up a little more and you build some buffer into that. So you can kind of have that wiggle room to, to realize the trade. And sometimes when you're lucky, you can sell them two, three weeks in a row. And then it goes down the third week. You collect all that premium and you catch the stock. Right. You know, so this is that's a great point that you uh, just made about the options. So the vol gets bid a little bit uh, on such a dramatic move up, you know. And so the calls had a little they had a little bit of juice in the premium. But when you sell the, uh, you know, you're selling the 1950s. So theoretically, our trade doesn't have to to get all the way down to, you know, 1925 for it to actually work out, but it has to stay below 1950 before next Friday. If it gets down to, to where those, to where the calls are probably priced at four, three or four bucks. I mean, then I'll probably have to take some of them off. Sure. Cause they're, they're fresher at 26 bucks now. Right. Cause at that point you're risking so, everything to make the extra four bucks. Right, exactly. It's not worth it. It's like you you sold them for twenty six. They're down to four. Uh, let's just take the twenty two dollars we made. But you know, even if you get filled short on the stock because it doesn't, it stays above the nineteen fifties. You still collected twenty six dollars of premium. So you you're really short at nineteen fifty plus twenty six. Right. Exactly. So, well, I think that covers it for that trade. Um... Tesla. Let's talk about Tesla. Okay. Yeah. So Tesla has been in the news recently. They had, uh, I think their worst quarter ever, maybe not ever, but in you know recent history, they've had their worst quarter and it, the stock broke through some huge levels. Uh, it had been holding like the $250 a share level for looked like a couple of years, I believe. And it finally took that out after the earnings report and sold off and everybody had talked about, well, are they going to do, you know, they needed to raise money somehow. Are they going to do a, a capital raise through debt or selling shares? And they announced yesterday, Thursday, um, that they were going to do a debt offering. Now, yes, that's good for the stock, and the stock got an initial bid on it. But then every, there are a bunch of analysts that came out and said, oh, well, that's not enough. They need more money than they're raising right now. So the stock kind of sold off a little bit more from that. Now, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell you whether or not $2.3 billion is enough for Tesla to stay in business and whether or not that's a good amount. I, that's not my, that's not my, that's not my jam. But if everybody else is saying that, then maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. But the news here was that today they came out and said they're going to raise more money through a debt offering instead of 2.3. I believe they raised it to 2.7 or 2.8. So, in my mind, that made this stock extremely ripe for buying. Uh, it had been trading around $240 a share and gapped up a little bit on the open and then proceeded to rally up the rest of the day. And now you were watching this too, Brad, right? Yeah, I was watching it. Yeah. What my thoughts on it were to add to your, your setup was, so we hear Goldman Sachs and others say they need $5 billion and they, they said they want to raise two point three. And then 
the the market goes down on that because the dilution monster is is hanging over the market. We're like, well, they're gonna have to sell more stock later. No one likes that. No one wants dilution. So they come out and they raise it to two point seven, which might not be a lot, but it's something that shows a little flexibility. And then Musk says he wants to take you know, 25 million worth of that. And they're only going to sell 3 million shares and the rest of it is convertible debt at 2%. So it's not really all stock, which I don't think it was expected to be, but just the flexibility and the better terms, I think was, was a kind of a, some green shoots down there at 240 or whatever you want, the Ben Bernanke term, whatever you want to say. Yeah. It was, uh, it was better than it seemed when it was at, you know, in the upper two thirties and they were doing 2.3 million and you didn't know what was coming next. So I think when they upped it, it's probably, they're probably going to be okay in the short to medium term to not have more dilution. And I think the market, at least for a very small window of, uh, you know, a couple of days, that's a good piece of news. That's how I look at it. Right. And I think that you really nailed it when you said the flexibility part. And I think what you mean there is that Tesla and Elon Musk are willing to say, Hey, we are willing to raise as much as we need and we are going to do what we have to do to survive and make this company profitable. And I think that, that is like the bigger point rather than like when you put a, you know, like, oh, it's 2.7 or 2.3. Well, what's the, what's the right number? I don't think that that matters. What I think matters the most is that they showed they're willing to be, you know, open to raising as much as they need. And I think that that's what people were kind of disappointed in with the first offering was it like, yeah, they're not doing enough. And now I think it shows that, okay, they are going to do enough and it's not going to be an all stock thing. And as you've seen with all the corporate buybacks and stuff, the market doesn't really care about how much debt a company has right now. And then on the technical side of that, the market loves big round numbers. And we had those two fifties and went down through them mid two thirties. And then this news, the adjustment to the offering went up to 2.7, like we said, and then you're sitting under those two fifties and you got a nice rally through that round number, which is kind of what traders look for to push shorts up. And there's a heavy short count in the stock, a lot of negativity. Mm -hmm. There's never been a more hated stock, maybe lift. Than, uh, than Tesla that I could think of that people just bet against it a lot. So, so in our time frame for a few days, this just set up as a nice little, little trade. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, I mean, again, it's a deciphering of news and is the news stupid or not? I, it's just a, just another way to, to use the news to your advantage. Yeah. Maybe not as stupid as the Amazon one, but if uh, good enough. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So well, great. That's it. We, that's all we got. So have a great weekend, Brent. All right. You too, Brad. I'll talk to you Take soon. Take care. Bye.